Well, good morning. Very warm welcome to our service of worship on this second Sunday in Advent. May you know God's loving presence with you as we worship together. Our call to worship comes from 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Without question, this is the great mystery of our faith. Christ was revealed in a human body and vindicated by the Spirit. He was seen by angels and announced to the nations. He was believed throughout the world and taken to heaven in glory. So let's worship God as we stand to sing our first hymn together, Hark the Glad Sound, Mission Praise number 210. Come now before God in prayer. Let's pray together. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, you are worthy of our praise and thanks for your great love and goodness to us. For you have given us everything that we need through your Son who came to be our Savior. As we remember how you announced to Mary through the angel Gabriel, the coming of Jesus with your words of peace and blessing, and reassured Joseph that the child was Emmanuel, God with us. Help us this day to know your peace in our hearts. If we are upset or anxious or feeling burdened or afraid, help us to leave our concerns with you, knowing that you care for us, and promise to be with us always through your Holy Spirit. In your loving presence, help us to know how much you love us and how much you have already given us through Jesus, who came to save us from our sins and to bring us life and hope. 
and open the way into your family forever through faith. Forgive us for all that we have said or done or thought, which has got in the way of, your, of love for you and our love for others. Cleanse us and renew us by your most Holy Spirit that we might know the freedom and joy of your love in our hearts and share that love with the world around us, that they may know you as God with us. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, today we're going to be thinking in our journey through Advent about some names uh, that we've discovered in the Bible, in the Christmas story. And uh, names are important. And, uh, you know, when uh, parents have uh, a new baby, it's they have the important task of naming their baby. And sometimes you name their baby with a name that uh, perhaps a grandparent has, or it may be something that uh, they just like, or it may be something a bit unusual, maybe something that uh, has a particular meaning that they like of that name. And uh, I was just looking um, the other day at the most popular names in Scotland in the last year, and um, I, I know that Gavin's not up there at all. It's sort of doing about a thousand or something. But anyway, um, but uh, the most popular name, anyone take a, a guess at what the most popular boy's name, first of all? Noah. Well, you're very close, actually. Noah is in the top ten, certainly. Um, but it's Jack. Is Jack. Uh, anyone know what Jack means, actually? So. Jack, well, the, what it said in where I looked up, it said God is gracious. That's, uh, that's the, the meaning I, f I found when I was looking it up. Um, do you want to take a, a guess at the most popular girl's name last year, or this year still? Oh, someone I heard bef behind me, a uh, correct answer. Uh, well done. <laughs> Olivia. Um, and uh, Olivia, well, not too difficult to guess where... Olivia's name come from? It means olive tree. Okay, um, just a, a couple of other ones that I found in the top 10. So Leo, what do you think that means? A lion. Um, Emily, that was an interesting one. Anyone know what Emily means? That was the number two most popular girl's name. Uh, no, not gentle, but industrious. So um, any Emily's you know, are they industrious? I wonder, well. Um, well, I, I wonder if, the, I'm not, not going to ask everyone, of course, but I wonder if who, who knows the, the, the meaning of their, their name. Does anyone know the meaning of their name? A few people? Okay, yes. And uh, it's, so names are important, and um, you know that uh, in the Bible they are particularly important. And uh, last week we were hearing how God sent the angel Gabriel to uh, the young 
unmarried woman called Mary and uh, announced that God had chosen her to have a, a very special baby. And he said, to the, the angel said to Mary, you will give him the name Jesus. Well, Joseph, this is the time we hear about Joseph a little bit. Well, Joseph heard that uh, he, he found out, of course, that Mary was pregnant and he didn't know what to do because it wasn't his baby. And uh, the Bible says, well, he was wanting to do the right thing. And he thought, well, he'll maybe just cancel the engagement quietly, not to cause a, a, a fuss. But um, God sent um, an angel in a dream to Joseph. And uh, the angel reassured Joseph and said, well, this, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. The baby she's carrying is from God's Holy Spirit and she'll give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, and he'll save his people from their sins. And um, the Bible also says at that point that uh, the baby would have another name called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so when we think of uh, the name of Jesus uh, coming to be born in Bethlehem, we can remember these, these two names. He's got other names in the Bible, but these two in particular today uh, Jesus meaning the Lord saves. God has come to save us from our sins so we can be forgiven. But Jesus is also Emmanuel, which means God with us so that uh, we can know God as our friend and uh, to be friends with, it, with God forever. And Jesus later promised that he would be with us always uh, by his spirit. And so wherever we are, where, whether um, we are at home or at school, or at work, or um, in church, or wherever we are, uh, when we trust in Jesus as our Savior and friend, He promises that He will be with us always, and we can know Him as God with us as well. Well, we're going to light our next Advent candle, and so today we light the second candle of the Advent crown, and this is the candle of peace. We use this light to remember Jesus was born as the Prince of Peace. And so may we receive God's peace as we listen to Jesus' words from John's Gospel. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And so let's pray. Dear God, as we prepare to celebrate Jesus' birth, Help us to know your peace in our lives. Bring your peace to our families, our communities, and to the countries of our world. For Jesus is our peace. Amen. Well, we're going to continue our time of worship as we sing our next hymn, See Him Lying on a Bed of Straw, Mission Praise number 589.
Let's uh, still our hearts as we bring our prayers for others to God now. Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, our glorious everlasting God, we thank you that we can come before you in prayer and bring before you the needs of our world. In the season of Advent, we thank you for the wonder of your love in coming all the way from heaven to be God with us through Jesus, your Son. We thank you that you have entered into our humanity to save us completely from the darkness of sin and death and the power of the evil one. We give you our praise that because of Jesus, we have a message of hope for the whole world. Help us, like Mary and Joseph, to respond in faith to your word to us this day and to know the hope and presence of your Holy Spirit. Sovereign Lord, as we bring before you the needs of our world, we thank you that you invite us to join with you in the transforming work of your kingdom to bring new life, hope, and peace to people, families, communities, and to nations. We pray for our own land. We pray for those who are in authority over us. We pray for our King and all those who serve in government. We ask that in the fulfilling of their duties, they may be guided by your Spirit and upheld by your grace. We pray for our community, our country, and the nations of the world, that following the ways of truth and justice, they may be free from bitterness and strife, and by the power of your love, live in peace. We pray for those affected by the continuing wars in Israel and Gaza, the Ukraine, and elsewhere. We pray for a just resolution of the conflicts, the restoration of homes and lives, the provision of needs, and a lasting peace. Bless with your comfort all who are in trouble or pain. We remember those known to us. We ask for your healing for those who are sick, your support for those who are dying, your consolation for those who mourn. We remember the work of our local churches and community groups. We pray for those who run food banks, warm hubs and shelters. We pray for those who are without homes. We pray for the supply of those who are in need throughout the challenges of this time of year. Bless to our homes that love and joy may dwell there. And keep those who are absent from us within the protection of your love. We give thanks for those who have died in the faith, especially those known to us, who have entered into the joy and peace of your nearer presence. Grant that we may follow their example and come to share with them the glory of everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who, who with you, dear Father, and the Holy Spirit, 
is worshipped and glorified forever. Amen. We continue to praise God as we sing our next hymn, I Cannot Tell Why He Whom Angels Worship, Mission Praise number 266.
This morning's readings come from the book of Isaiah, chapter 64, verses 1 to 12, and Matthew 1, 18 to 25. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you. As when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil, come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when did you awesome things that we did not expect? You came down, and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you, who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continue to sin against them, you were angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us and have given us over to our sins. Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay, you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. O look up upon us as we pray, for we are all your people. Your sacred cities have become a wasteland. Even Zion is a wasteland. Jerusalem, a desolation. Our holy and glorious temple, where our ancestors praised you, has been burned with fire, and all that we treasure lies in ruins. After all this, Lord, will you hold yourself back? Will you keep silent and punish us beyond measure? Now Matthew 1, 18 to 25. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit." She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and she and he gave him the name Jesus. Here endeth this morning's reading. The next hymn is hymn number four from the squalor of a borrowed stable. Emmanuel, God with us. This uh, song it gives the entire Christmas message. Uh, the beginning of the song, I, I didn't know the word squalor, what it means, but I looked it up. It means the filthiness or the dirt, the dirty state of the stable that was borrowed. So our Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, he was born into a humble stable just so that we can be with him in eternity. Father, 
From the squalor of a borrowed stable By the spirit and a virgin's faith To the anguish and the shame of scandal Came the savior of the human race But the skies were filled with the praise of heaven Shepherds listen as the angels tell Of the gift of God come down to man At the dawning of Emmanuel King of heaven now the friend of sinners Humble servant in the Father's hands Filled with power and the Holy Spirit Filled with mercy for the broken man Yes, he walked my road and he felt my pain Joys and sorrows that I know so well Yet his righteous steps give me hope again I will follow my Emmanuel Through the kisses of a friend's betrayal He was lifted on a cruel cross He was punished for a world's transgressions He was suffering to save the lost He fights for breath he fights for me, losing sinners from the chains of hell. And with a shout, our souls, our souls are free, defeated by Emmanuel. Now he's standing in the place of honor, crowned with glory on the highest throne. Interceding for his own beloved Till his father calls to bring them home Then the skies will part as the trumpet sounds Hope of heaven or the fear of hell But the bride will run to her lover's arms Giving glory to Emmanuel Then the skies will part as a trumpet sounds Hope of heaven or the fear of hell But the bride will run to her lover's arms Giving glory to Emmanuel Let's pray together. Lord God, it is hard for us to conceive and to understand the, um, the wonder of uh, you coming to us through Jesus, our Savior, coming from heaven to earth, coming to the squalor of a manger, a stable, and being with us through all our joys and our sorrows and yet remaining faithful and sinless and becoming our Savior through the death for all of us on the cross and by rising from death to the highest place. We thank you, Lord, that you 
call us into your eternity. So we ask that you would speak to us as we think about these verses. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, several years ago, a television reporter in Washington, D.C., who was working on an assignment called The Spirit of Christmas, telephoned the then British, em the British ambassador at the British Embassy and asked to speak. Ambassador, the reporter said, you've been very kind to us through the year, and so we'd like to include you in a special Christmas news segment we're going to run. Tell me, Ambassador, what would you like for Christmas? The ambassador replied, I'm very touched by your offer, but I must decline to accept any gift. Oh, please, said the reporter, you ha really have been helpful to us, so won't you please tell me what you'd especially like for Christmas? Again, the ambassador refused, but the reporter persisted until he finally gave in. All right, then, if you insist, this Christmas I would like a jar of mint jelly, is what he said. Well, having forgotten all about this conversation, the ambassador was surprised when several weeks later, on Christmas Eve, he turned on the evening news and heard the same reporter introducing a segment on the spirit of Christmas. And the article read, we recently interviewed three visiting ambassadors and asked them what they would like for Christmas. These three diplomats each gave revealing answers when they pondered what they would most like during this season of goodwill. The German ambassador said, I would like to see a peaceful and prosperous decade ahead for all citizens of the planet. May God bless us all. The Swiss ambassador wished, may the spirit of Christmas last throughout the year. It is my dream that our world leaders will be guided towards a common goal of peaceful coexistence. This is my wish for the Christmas season. Then we asked the British ambassador who said, this Christmas I would like a jar of mint jelly. Of course, the British ambassador didn't quite understand the kind of question the reporter was asking, and it wasn't just about him receiving Christmas gifts. But I wonder how each of us would answer the same question today. How, what would you like for Christmas? Well, maybe we've a particular gift in mind that we would like to receive. Maybe for some of us it's time with our family or friends that we'd like. Maybe some of us would like just some peace and quiet. But finding out what others want for Christmas is also a challenge. What we think someone might like might be quite different from what they actually would, would be happy to receive. I'm sure we've all had gifts that have uh, lain in the side because uh, they weren't quite what uh, would suit us. It can be difficult choosing presents for others. I wonder, however, what gift God wants to give us. It's been said that at Christmas time, when we receive presents we don't really need, God offers us a gift we cannot do without. What then is the gift that God offers us that we cannot do without? 
Well, our Bible passages point us to the answer. Isaiah chapter 64 begins in verse 1 with a cry from the heart. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. It's a cry from a people who feel abandoned, who've been taken away from the people and the places they call home and the things that they knew and relied on beforehand. All these things seem to be stripped away. It's a cry for God to come down and to be with them, to help them in their great need. It's a cry for God to give them another chance where they've messed up in their lives, to save them from the heartache of changed and changing circumstances over which they seem to have little or no control. The Bible is, of course, full of stories of people who have cried out to God to come down and to save them, to help them in their troubles, to save them from whatever distress or anguish that they're experiencing. For example, in the opening verses of Psalm 13, we hear King David's cry to God in his distress. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on and answer, Lord my God. There are times in life when even those who would claim to be atheists cry out to God in prayer. In times of war, for example, especially in places of danger and death, people cry out for God's help, for God to save them. I very recently heard about the work of a Christian group in, in Ukraine giving Bibles to soldiers on the front line. And in the past year or so, they have heard of 70,000 soldiers turning to God and putting their faith in Jesus. And they sent Bibles to each of them. I wonder what the cry from the depths of our hearts to God is today. What we find in Isaiah 64 is an account of people who've turned from God's commands, commands which bring life and blessing and ended up in a bad place. He's acknowledging that their sins have separated them from God's loving presence and that, in fact, every one of them has turned from God. And he recognizes that, that no one's really calling out to God and they're in danger of being swept away by their sins and wrongdoing. It's no wonder to Isaiah then why it appears that God has turned his face from them and is angry about their sins. And yet, despite all their sins, all their failings, despite their difficult circumstances at present, there is a distinct note of hope. There's hope here. Isaiah the prophet reminds people that the Lord God, the God of heaven, is also their father. He's created them. He's shaped them. He's called them to be his people. And despite the desolation and devastation they've experienced in their homeland, in their place of worship, they may cry out in the hope that he will hear their cry 
and be silent no longer. As it says in verses eight and nine, yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay, you are the potter. We are the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. O look upon us as we pray, for we are your people. Well, the call is for God to see their need and to respond with forgiveness and with mercy. But even more than that, we see in the cry from verse 1, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. A call for God to make his presence known, to, be, to come and be with them in a way that they can't quite fathom or understand, and yet it's a, a cry of longing for God, for God to be close to them. Whenever we're in need, it's always better for, to know that someone is going to be with us. A phone call or a text message can be reassuring, but actually having someone to come and be present with us, to talk to directly, makes a world of difference. And what's so amazing about the good news of Jesus Christ, which we focus on especially at this time of his coming, how God has answered this deep cry of the human heart, this cry for God to tear the heavens apart, to remove the barrier separating sinful people from a holy God and come to be with us. God's answer to the cries of the human heart, this cry for him to be with us, is answered in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one who has come to save us from our sins, and Jesus is the one as God's eternal Son who has come to be Emmanuel, God with us. That's the message the gospel writers give. This Jesus that we read of is the Son who is in closest relationship with God the Father and has come to answer all our prayers. Our deepest need is to come into a personal relationship with God. And Jesus has come so that we might do that. So that by his death, our sins are atoned for and our forgiveness is offered freely by God to all who turn to him. And Jesus rising from death and ascending to heaven to be at God's right hand. By that, death is defeated and the powers of darkness are overcome and we may receive everlasting life as a gift beyond compare. God has replied to our cry by coming to be with us through Jesus. By faith, we may know his presence with us always by the gift of his spirit, who assures us of God's love and forgiveness and acceptance in his family. The greatest gift that we can know, the gift we really can't do without, is the gift of God himself. God, our Father, has come to us through his Son and promises to be with us always by his Spirit. 
God with us is then the greatest gift that we may receive, be it at Christmas time or indeed any other time. And it's a gift that means that we never need to be alone again. We never need to face life by ourselves with all its joys and sorrows, with all its mountain peaks and deep valleys. God has rent the heavens apart. He's torn them apart to come to be with us through Jesus, his son. And that changes everything. No longer do we need to experience God as a far-off deity. No longer do we need to think of God as some great designer who simply set our universe in motion and then left us to it. God has come to us to be God with us in Jesus because he loves us completely and wants us to spend eternity in his loving presence. There's so much to say about this great truth, but perhaps one of the greatest aspects of it is that God, through Jesus, can help us in our relationship with God, knowing that through Jesus, God knows and understands us completely, the struggles that we have, and he invites us to know his strength instead. And so we close with these words about Jesus, God's, God with us, Emmanuel. As it says in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to feel sympathy for our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that you are the God who answers our cries and our calls out to you. We thank you that you have answered the deepest needs of our hearts, of our lives, by coming to be with us through Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, to take your hand by faith, to take our steps with you from this place and this time onwards, knowing that you will help us through every time of difficulty, that you will help us through every time of weakness or testing, that you will give us your strength, the strength of your spirit, to enable us to love, love as you have commanded us to love. Help us, Lord, to share this good news, this message of hope that we have in Christ, that you have come to be God with us. We have so much to be grateful for. We thank you for all that we receive through Christ. So Lord, this day we ask that you would also receive our gifts 
our offerings with grateful thanks as we dedicate ourselves to you once more as your family to share your love through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We close our time of worship as we sing our final hymn this morning, Mission Praise number 337, In the Bleak Midwinter. And now, may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, guard your hearts and your thoughts in Christ Jesus, our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you this day and remain with you always. Amen. <laughs>